Good morning, everybody. Wow, that was weak. Good morning, everybody. There we go. Hey, you guys are awake. Man, I'm so glad to be here with you guys this morning. Thank you for being with us. Um, it does my heart so good to see all your bright and shining faces. Oh, my goodness. Um, so um, I want uh, to first say uh, thank you to my friends Jackie and Drew Dopko for leading worship with us this morning. They are incredible Redlands folk who we love a lot. And um, I have the privilege of giving the intro for our speaker. And, and, and Jeff, you can come on up. Now, um, uh, I've known this guy for a while now, and he is going to blow your minds with his knowledge of the word. Um, he is the, the, the sinister minister, the, the, the president of the brotherhood of the beard, you know, um, no, I'm just kidding. I just wanted to embarrass him a little. Where Sorry. Is that? <laughs> Where's that um, even coming from? Right. So he, um, Jeff has been a friend of mine. He was one of the first people that ever said, hey, the mission is my home when we first started. He and his, his wonderful wife, Angelica. Hi. And so we just love these two a lot. Jeff is actually the serve director here at the mission. So he organized the upcoming uh, Redlands Day of Service for us to participate in that and, and everything. So this guy is just a true treasure to me. I love him a lot. And uh, so, would you give a big mission welcome to Jeff Allen? Say, say that beard thing again. What did you just call me? The sinister minister? <laughs> Works. I like it. That'll work for me. I'm kind of down with that. Well, good morning. I'm Jeff. Not the sinister minister, but if you want to call me that, that's, that's cool. It's interesting because... Because this morning I was thinking about that. Um, we've had, over the last few weeks, you've, you've met some of our preaching staff. And so we have Dr. Mark. We have Pastor Jason. We have the professor. Where did, where's the prof- There's the professor. Okay, so we have Professor Ricardo. And I was like, I build zip lines for a living. There's, there's not like Zippy Jeff. I was like, no, that doesn't work right. And so then I was like thinking, well, maybe we just call me Just Jeff. And I thought about that. You guys remember that sitcom years ago, Will and Grace? There was a, a Jack character. He was kind of this really annoying person. And he was like, he had a show that was like called Just Jack. And I thought, no, I don't want to be called Just Jeff. So, so we'll kind of move away from that. But, you know, it's interesting, though, how we get sometimes caught up in the idea of titles. And how titles sometimes become more important than the person who holds the title. Or what they're doing even. Um, I used to be, I was at one point an associate pastor here in town at a, at a church. And associate pastors, that basically means fill in when someone needs a break kind of a thing. Or, or do what I don't really want to do. Or here's a plunger, enjoy this. And so, so I, and I did, I enjoyed it with, I enjoyed the plunger. Not, that sounded weird. So, um, so one day I, I, I was tapped on the shoulder to, hey, Jeff, can you preach this Sunday? And I was like, sure, I can do that. That's cool. So I preached a sermon, and, and it was kind of following a series that our pastor had been doing. And so I kind of had, you know, like, like a good associate does, I want to refer back to what's already been said. And so I referred back to, to, to Pastor Chris's sermon. But I, um, and so 
So the sermon was over, and you know what happens? People give you the whole congratulatory, hey, good associate pastor, you did okay, that's awesome, super. And so, so I was like, yeah, and I was sort of lauding it in. I was like, oh, this is cool, all right. And, and then a guy comes up and he goes, Jeff, can I talk to you? And he's one of our older, sort of elder persons. And he drags me over and he's like, he draws me over and he says, hey, Jeff, um, I need to talk to you. And I was like, okay, cool. And, but it, I could tell in his face it wasn't going to be, good job, Jeff. You know, I was like, uh-oh, something's coming. I can just sort of smell it. And he pulls me aside and he says, Hey, um, so I noticed that when you were preaching today, when you referred to pastor, you called him by his first name. And I was like, well, his name is Chris. I, I'm not going to call him so-and-so. You know, so, but I was like, but that's his name. He's like, no, 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 you're missing the point. You referred to him just by his first name. You didn't call him pastor. And I was like, okay. And I kind of took that to heart a little bit. And it stung a little bit. I was like, but did you catch what I was saying? But he'd missed it completely. The only thing that he had seen was this idea about, about me not using a title. And, and sometimes we, we do that, don't we? Don't we sometimes get caught up in the stuff of it all? There, you know, do we just, we get caught up in the trappings of things. Um, I'm a, I dressed in prison garb today. Or at least, <laughs> Folsom, this is my Folsom prison outfit. You know, and I see the... I'm a Johnny Cash fan. I, me and Jason, that's one of our connections there. And so that's, but I, I've always dressed pretty casually. And, and so even as an associate pastor, I led worship and did some other things. And on another occasion, a gentleman came up to me and he, he looked me dead in the eye with the most serious face I've ever seen. He goes, Jeff, if Jesus can die on the cross for me, I can wear a necktie. And I was like, whoa. And I knew what he was saying. You know, it's not like that wasn't like real subtle, but I knew what he was saying. And... And my heart, in my heart, I just, I had to control myself. I was like, but would he have chosen that tie with that coat? (laughs) And so, but that's the thing is that sometimes we get caught up in titles. We get caught up in the trappings of, of, of what church is supposed to look like. And, and it's not an old problem. It's, it's, it's not a new problem. It's an old problem. It's happened since the beginning of time. We kind of want to add on to stuff. And we make the things that are peripherals into the things that are the primaries. And the primary thing is, is Christ. But too oftentimes we let these peripheral things get in our way and we end up stumbling and tripping and struggling and, and some people never get to know the love of our Father and Savior Jesus Christ because, because they're not dressed the right way or they're not speaking the right words or they're not, you know, their arms aren't, you know, skin instead of ink kind of stuff. You know, we, we trip on those kind of things. And so, so, This week we've been talking a little bit about the importance of the supremacy of Christ. The book of Colossians, Paul's addressing an issue. And in fact, it's not just in Colossians, it's throughout the letters of of Paul. When you read the letters of Paul, there's this issue, there's this struggle between, between how we approach God and how God approached us. And so that's kind of what's at the at the center of our message today. In the last few weeks we've been talking about being Alive, not just living. Christ came to give us this abundant, wonderful, joyful life. Not this, this life that's yoked down with all this heavy weight and stuff. And a lot of times we miss that. Anyone here a Switchfoot fan? I know Switchfoot's kind of like 90s kind of a thing now. So like I was thinking, yeah, that's a modern band. I'm realizing, no, their first album came out in like 93. Wow, that's like a long time ago. Which... Which, yeah, I won't go into that. Anyways, so Switchfoot came out with an album, I remember, in the early 2000s. And there was a song on it that that was titled, 
uh, we were meant to live for so much more. And the line goes, we were meant to live for so much more. Have we lost ourselves? You know, and as believers, as people who are followers of Christ, sometimes we've gotten so trapped up in the trappings of church, the building, the clothing, the music, all this other stuff, that we end up chasing after these things and we don't end up living for Christ. We don't get to experience the joy of it. It becomes a drag and a hassle and a job. And Christ meant for us to live a life that is so much more than what we've been living. Like what Dr. Mark said here a couple of weeks ago. He said that, you know, Christ has come to take this black and white life, this rule that was lived by, or this life that's lived in a set of rules, and to not just make it colorful, but to make it technicolor colorful. Like jumping off the screen, Mary Poppins type of bright and colorful. Willy Wonka, not the one with Johnny Depp, that was weird. Um, but just, just like... Full on, bright, shiny, just amazing colors. And then Pastor Jason talks about some of the things that prevents us from, from stepping into that colorful world. We get stuck in these moments of our lives. Like that U2 song. We get stuck in moments, you know, whether it be sin or an action that happened or something that happened to us, whether it be at church or somewhere else in our lives, we get stuck in those moments and we just can't get out of it. But Christ has come to deliver us from that and to move us away from those things. And then last week, Ricardo shared with us this idea. And I have to tell you, where did, where did Ricardo go? There, 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 dude, you're right in the front row. I wasn't even, I'm looking for the foo hat, and it's actually a fender hat. But, um, but anyways, he brought to us last week this, this illustration of taking Van Gogh's Starry Night, which is one of my favorite works of art, and us grabbing our paintbrush and trying to doodle on it to make it look better. You know, it doesn't stand out the way it should. It's a masterpiece alone. And that's the same way with our lives with Christ. We don't need to get in there and mess with the way that Jesus has done stuff. He's already done it. He's made it wonderful. And when we try, what we do is we end up creating a box that looks nice on the outside with no value on the inside. So today I want to talk to you a little bit about that problem. The problem of, of having our lives sort of run by this religiosity sort of thinking that we have to be a certain way before we can come to the cross. Okay? And so, first of all, before we get into Scripture, I want to I tell you a little bit, give you a little background about, about the problem. Um, I don't know if we talked about this. I'm trying to remember. I was gone last week. I was in Montana last week. But, um, but one of the issues that the first century church faced was it was an interesting community. It was a community that came out of tradition, See, the very first believers were Jewish. Jesus was a Jew. And Jews lived in that particular time, even today, lived very strongly in their culture. It, it, it drove everything. You know, sometimes we can see our culture today and our culture sometimes is separated from religion. It's, it's religious part of it, but it's not, you know, you can make some compartmentalization of it and, and kind of put it here and there and whatever. You know, you can be a long-haired rocker for Jesus and live that whole long-haired rocker culture and then you can have like a... Well, is there any other culture besides the long-haired rocker? No. There's a lot of other... You know, so there's all these different groups and they can all kind of do their thing. And then there's Jesus in the center of it all. So Jesus can be kind of separate. But with the Jews, it was different. Their religion, their faith was everything. Well, their religion was everything. Their culture was centered. The way that they ate, the way that they drank, the way that they slept, the times that they prayed, the clothing that they wore, the, the days that they could walk and the days they couldn't walk, everything was dictated by a set of laws. And it was part of their culture. And it was, and it was central to it all. It was part 
of how they fellowshiped with God. But the problem was that they had left the fellowship with God behind and they began to kind of worship the stuff. So stuff became important. So when the first believers started to kind of come to Christ, there was a, there was a certain group that are like, but wait a minute, we don't want to leave our, our faith behind, our culture behind, that's got to come along with it. So we had to add to it. And at first it was okay because most of the believers were Jews. They're like, okay, that's cool. This works. But then Gentiles started coming into it. And a Gentile, just so you guys know, I'm a Gentile. That You're like, and? Okay, so a Gentile is someone who wasn't a Jew. That's just the word they referred to them as. They didn't follow along with the culture. They may have lived around them, but they didn't follow the culture. And so these Gentiles, what they would do is, is they were not following the same practices as the Jews, like at all. They were, they were different. They weren't, you know, they didn't eat the same stuff and dress the same way. They weren't circumcised. Anyone know what that is? You don't want to know? Okay. But they believed that in order for you to be a Christian, this particular group that they referred to as the Judaizers, they believed that you had to become a Jew before you could become a Christian. You had to adhere to Jewish law and practice so that you could be in faith with Christ. And that was a problem. So it was kind of like, do you guys remember The Wizard of Oz? When they're dressing everybody up. You guys all know that movie, The Wizard of Oz? They, they believed it was kind of like a snip-snip here and a snip-snip there. And then you can approach the great and powerful Messiah. Okay, And the reality was that that great and powerful Messiah, that direction that they had to go, just led to more hoops that they had to jump through to get home. And the reality is in the story of the Wizard of Oz is that they already had what they needed to get home in them. And it was the same with believers then. Jesus was the way home. They already had him. They didn't need to jump through all these other different hoops. So there was another group of people as well at the same time that kind of was coming from the other direction. There was a group of people called the Gnostics. You guys ever heard of the Gnostics? It starts with a G. I always think of gnocchi when I, when I, whenever I see the word Gnostic. But it doesn't have anything to do with Italian pasta, even though it's delicious. Um, Gnosticism wasn't delicious. Gnosticism was, was kind of a blend of stuff. It, just, it was just... It was a smorgasbord of philosophy and religion and other things and and they were kind of weird they were sort of like the new age in the old age okay they believed that they got this special knowledge in fact gnostic comes from a greek word called gnosis which is knowledge so they believed they had this special knowledge they had received from angels that told them what to do and so they used this special knowledge to tell people hey you know you've got jesus but I heard from the angels that you need to do this too. And so it would kind of like, to kind of be like this, all puffed up because I'm a Gnostic. But at the same time, they, they conducted themselves in a manner that, that sort of set them apart from others. And, it, and, it, and they said, you've got to be like us to go that direction. And Paul said, this is a problem. Paul said, this is a problem. I, I'm gonna, can I illustrate something for you guys here real quick? Okay, the cross. The awesome thing, right? We think of the cross, this is wonderful. And what the Gnostics and the Judaizers were doing is they would come in and they'd go like, they'd say something like this, they'd go like, you know, we've got this special prayer shawl. We just, the cross needs that. It just needs that. We're just kind of, this is much taller than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> and, and you know, the Jews would come in and go, you know what you need? You need, you need a necktie on there. You need, you need a dress, a certain, you throw that up there and just... Uh, yeah, I used to I used to wear these, believe it or not. So just you know, one more because doggone it, you can never have enough neckties. 
right? Okay, and and so, and you know, you need to you need to pray to angels. I'm gonna put this angel candle up here because that's you know because you need some direction from angels. Let's see, what else do we need? You know, we need to. You know what else to do is you need to have some special days to worship on. You need to you need to you should only worship on these days, and you shouldn't work on those days either, or else you're going to hell. So we're gonna do that. And you know what? While we're at it, I'm gonna throw a King James Bible up there because. Because the King James Bible is the only Bible you should be reading. And then over here someone would say, well, no, you gotta read, you gotta read the purpose driven life and <laughs> Christian psychology and, oh, what the heck, I'll throw this present darkness in because that talks about angels. That's, you know, angels are just like what's in this book. They're just, they're like that. Okay, so, and you know, you start to look at it and you're like, what is that? Is that a bookshelf? Is that a candle stand? It's the cross. And so what people do is we tend to want to dress it up. But the reality is, the only thing that should be hanging on that, really, is that. Oops, that didn't work. That's it. That's the only thing that belongs up there, is our sin. But the problem was, is they told you that you had to dress it up in order to get there. And all it is, it prevents us from seeing what it really is. So what I want you to do is, I want you to open up your word for me, if you would, for just a minute. And we're going to take a look at God's word. We're going to open up to Colossians. I'm a, I'm a, a book guy. It's because I'm, I'm too violent to have, like, electronic stuff. <laughs> I, work on, I, I work in trees and stuff, so I, have a, I do have an iPad. I know, it's cool. Um, except I dropped it. From a tree while I was working. You yeah, don't ask. You could, but ask later. Anyways, so Paul is trying to address this issue, and he says this in Colossians 2, starting at verse 16. He says, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such people also go into great detail about what they have seen. And their unspiritual minds puff them up these idle notions. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. So, in this... In this notion that Paul is trying to say, is he's saying that, that these different philosophies, these different people have decided that we need to throw some other stuff in to make this work. And the reality is, is it's only Christ. It's not about special days. It's not about the way you dress. It's not about the foods that you eat. It's about your relationship to God. And these people have gotten so caught up in the idea that you needed to do all this other stuff, that they had completely separated themselves from God himself. They had no idea who God was, or what his nature was, or what he had planned for them. Because they were just caught up in doing all this stuff. And you know why they were doing all this stuff? Because it looks good to people. I can put on a necktie and impress people. Certain people. I can eat certain foods around certain people, and that impresses them. I can go to festivals and concerts or I can sing certain songs and they can be super impressed with that. But the reality is God isn't. God doesn't care. 
I mean, he cares about us. Don't get me wrong. He cares about how we conduct our lives in this world as an example for him. But he's not impressed with it. You get what I'm saying? But they were saying you had to be. And the funny thing is, is that he talked, he talked about them being separated from the head. They had lost contact with, from whom God really was. And he points this out, is that you can't grow without being connected to the head. It's kind of like, you know, the walking dead. As soon as they've had like their heads lopped off, or their, you know, their head's been... Okay, I'm probably going to get gross here in a minute. But as soon as they've had that mortal wound to the head, the zombie no longer walks the earth. I'm kind of making it sound like we're zombies, huh? That's not what I'm trying to do. Don't get lost in the illustration. It's just an illustration. All right? So, but the point being is, is that we can't grow in Christ unless we're connected to the head, unless we're connected to Christ. If we're connected to the stuff, we're not growing. If the stuff becomes more important than him, we're not growing and we're not going, which I've got to start doing. All right. So... Let's talk a little bit more. Let's, we're going to uh, continue looking at Colossians. Colossians 2, looking at verse 20. So now that we've decided that we need to, you know, don't worry about all those weird things that they're telling us to do, Paul says this, Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why do you, though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have nothing to do, or have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom, but with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. So I grew up in church, and I was told that if you lived your life a certain way, you walked a certain way, you did certain things, you dressed a certain way, then life would get easier. And it didn't. It didn't get easier at all. It's like, okay, so if I'm dressed in the right way, I'm listening to the right music, okay? I've taken my Led Zeppelin and gotten rid of it. I'm telling you how old I am now. Um, I've gotten rid of all this evil music and I start listening to just audio adrenaline and, and, and these other groups from the 90s that no one knows now. Um, <laughs> then, then I'm going to live a sin-free life. This is going to be awesome. And the reality is it didn't happen that way. Instead, sin got worse. The impulse was still there. It was terrible. It just like hammered on me. And I'm thinking, man, if I live a perfect life, this is going to get easier. And it didn't. And God wasn't impressed. In fact, Paul kind of talks about this in another book. And we're going to take a look just for a second at, at, uh, at Philippians 3. Philippians 3 says this. Paul's talking about living this holy life. Philippians 3, 4 says, Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if others think that they have reasons to put confidence in this flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. See, it wasn't helping him in his growth with Christ. All that kind of stuff God wasn't impressed with. It wasn't allowing him to grow in Christ. So all that holy stuff that people were telling him made him a, a righteous person. Paul says this. He says, Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. Not that I have gained... Not that or that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness that comes of my own, that comes from the law, but rather, but that which is through faith 
in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And I, and I want you to see verse 10 if it's up there. Verse 10 says this, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and the participation of His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. It's not about the stuff. It's about knowing Christ. If you want to change your life, that's awesome. But knowing that you're going to struggle unless you know Christ. All that stuff that we try to do to get closer to Jesus doesn't matter. All we have to do is get to know Him. We just need to get to know Jesus. We need to focus on Him. And how do we do that? We get in the Word. We get on our knees and we pray. It's not about the stuff we do. We're not impressing Him. How many of you have ever seen the movie Meatballs? Okay, there's, there's some older folks. If you're younger and you haven't seen it, don't see it. Look, look, look this up on YouTube, though, and it's, it's hilarious. Bill Murray, in one of the classic scenes in this movie, is giving a rousing speech to the camp. They were looking at ultimate defeat against this other camp across the lake. And he gives a speech with a byline. Does anyone know what it was? Do you guys remember what it was? He's talking about competing. And, and in the long run, what this all meant, it didn't matter. And he just, he chanted to them, it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. And he gets the whole camp to do this. It just doesn't matter. Because in the reality, we're just up there to have fun. Right? Now, in our faith, all that stuff that we do, all those things that we're trying to do to impress God, it just doesn't matter. What matters is our relationship with Him. What matters is our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. All that other stuff, like Paul says in Colossians 2, it's just going to pass away and perish. No one's going to remember the things that you did or the clothing that you wore. You probably don't realize, I wore this shirt just three weeks ago. I told my wife that that was going to be an issue. She's like, it doesn't matter, Jeff. <laughs> she was listening as I was practicing, apparently. So, so yeah. So we have to remember that our righteousness is found in God and in Christ alone. Alright, so I want to I turn us back to Colossians for a second. So, how do we get off this trip? How do we get off this track of trying to impress God? Well, Colossians 3 says this. It says, Since then, because you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. So here's this promise, guys. Again, it's not about the stuff you do. I think I've said that once or twice already. It's not about the stuff we do to impress God. What matters most is focusing on Him. It's putting our eyes on Jesus and remembering the sacrifice He made for us. Because when we join with Him, when we, when we come into fellowship with Jesus Christ, when we come into this relationship with Him, we die with Him. Do we get that? That we die with Him. Our life becomes different. We put away all that stuff from the past, all the stuff that we get stuck in. It goes away. And because it dies with Him, that, that life is gone. Because we focused on Jesus. What did Jesus do? He came to life. He resurrected new. And so we get, to, we get to participate. As we participate in the death of our old life, we get to participate in the new life, the resurrected life, life with Jesus Christ. 
And that's a joy. That should be something we celebrate. Not something that we, oh, my new life, I have to wear a tie. No! Where is that in here? So we need to focus on that. We need to focus and place our minds and our hearts on Christ and, and on those things above. So in conclusion, I just want to say just a couple more things. It's easy to get caught in that trap, isn't it? How many of you have been, are just in love with the Lord right now? Cool. Alright. But do you have those days where you feel like, man, I didn't go to Sunday night coffee and prayer. I suck. Do you do that? I mean, as a pastor, I used to do that. I was like, man, I'm not in the Word every single moment of the day, and I'm not praying, and I'm not wearing the right shoes today, and I'm not, you know, my, I lost my cross, and I don't have any place to, I don't, I, uh, you know, it's probably in my junk drawer somewhere. That's a terrible place for my cross. Oh my gosh. And I get all caught up in this stuff, and the reality was is that is that we, we need to check ourselves. We need to check to make sure that we don't fall back into that trap because it's easy for us to do the stuff. It's difficult to have our heart transformed by Jesus Christ. We just got to let Him do it. We got to let Him do His work. Sometimes it takes time. Galatians 6.4 says this. Um, Galatians 6.4 says, says this, that each of you should test your own actions then you can take pride in yourself without comparing yourself to somebody else. For each of you should carry your own load. In other words, you know, it's easy for us to celebrate Christ and be excited about it and say, yeah, I'm going to get rid of all that church stuff. I'm going to, you know, no more of those hymns, no more King James Bible, no more of this. But then suddenly, someone starts singing a song that we don't like. Or they've gone, or God forbid they've gone back to hymns. And suddenly we start to judge them. What we need to do is we need to start examining ourselves. When that sort of that that judgment creeps in, we need to say, man, what's the load I've got to carry and what's the load they've got to carry? Me, like for me, for example, I like to pray on my knees, but I'm not going to put that on Jason. Jason doesn't pray on his knees. Sinner. (laughs) The pastor of... No, I don't know. What did you call me again? I don't know. Anyways, but no, I'm not going to put that on there. Sometimes I like to sing hymns. You know? There are certain songs we sing that I go... Really? Really? Is that, is that appropriate? And I have to check myself and go, man, but look at the faces of the people around me. They're celebrating. They're raising their hands to the Lord. That is awesome. And so I just have to check myself and say, I'm trying to put this weight on people that doesn't belong there. So one of the things we have to do is we have to check ourselves periodically. And one of the things we should always remember when we're checking this, ourselves periodically is that we can't earn a better place in God's eyes. And neither can anybody else around us. We can't expect people to earn their way into heaven either. And sometimes we do that. And we have to remember where we came from. At least that's what I do, is I remind myself of where I came from. If you look in Titus, Titus says this. In Titus 3, 3 through 9, I'm just going to read it to you real quick. Except I'm in Hebrews. Almost there. It says, at one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. You know what? The world doesn't know Jesus. They're going to be enslaved to a lot of nonsense out there. There's a lot of garbage that they're going to be enslaved to. Look at our world today. It's easy just to look at it and go, they're all going to hell. You know what? They are. And that should trouble us to no end. 
That should burden us. Our hearts should break for the fact that the, that the world is dying around us because of sin. Not because of political persuasion or anything like that. It's because of sin. And that should trouble us. So Titus says this, he continues. We once lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that having been justified by His grace, hear this, justified by His grace, not by changing your life, becoming a sinless person or anything like that. He justified us because He loved us and He bestowed grace upon us through His Son, Jesus Christ. We might become heirs having hope of eternal life. That's it. Mic drop. <laughs> Except, I don't really know what that means because I, I just people do it and I think it's funny and they laugh. and So I'm, I'm, I'm not really going to mic drop because I'm not done. But... Um, but I'm, I'm there though. So, so one of the things, that, or the, the last thing here is just, folks, we got to stay focused on, what, on the main things. we got to focus on the main things. We want to see this world come to know our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We can't expect them to do that first. We need to strip the cross and let them approach the cross. We need to allow them to put their sins on that cross and let them leave it there. What do we have to do? We've got to love on them. We've got to pray for them. We've got to get the word to them. We've got to share those things. Or else we become like Judaizers or Gnostics. Stuff with no substance, only shadow, and no light. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just, um, I thank you. I thank you for just the life that we have in you, uh, that, that we don't have to do a bunch of stuff. We're not out there killing animals anymore. We're not out there pouring blood on the horns of an altar. We're not out there subjecting our bodies to suffering to try to please you because there's no pleasing you, God. There's nothing we can do to, to please you. Well, I guess there is one thing, Lord. And that's just to love you. And to accept the fact that you love us. So Heavenly Father, I just ask that you would, you would be with us right now. That you would stir our hearts to love you and to care for you. To make you our only hope and our only desire. Lord, that we would take the stuff that we think is impressive and just leave it on the road. And just follow after you. Lord, I ask that you would move our hearts with compassion and love the way you were moved with compassion and love to go to the cross for our sins. And that, Lord, we would move out in compassion and love into our community, into our families, into our homes, into our schools, into our workplace to share that love and sacrifice you made for us on the cross. Bless us now, Lord, as we, as we go forward. Bless us now, Lord, as we take up the offering. Lord, that we may be able to use it to just uh, to touch lives and to make a difference. 
And it's in your precious name I pray. Amen. Ushers.